Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You are a busy entrepreneur architect. You're hustling to find the next project, meet with clients, keep the bills paid, and if you're lucky, find some time to design. So how do you continue to learn what you need to know to grow? How do you find the information and the training you need to be more efficient, more effective, more successful? I know you're busy because I'm an entrepreneur architect too. That's why we built the Entree Architect Membership. On the first Wednesday of every month, we invite an expert into the academy, and they teach us about one specific topic on how to succeed at business. 60 minutes every month, live training and Q&A. And then you can get right back to work. And when you're a member, you'll gain access to so much more. Unlimited access to business resources, a comprehensive video library, and a private member forum with hundreds of entrepreneur architects just like you. Everything you need to build a better business is available right now at Entree Architect. Register today at EntreeArchitect.com slash join. My name is Mark R. LePage. And you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 290, and this week, building an innovation platform with Nels Long, senior designer at Roto Architects and co-founder at Roto Lab. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com, and FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure, spend less time on accounting, and more time doing the work you love. Nels Long, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad you're here. This is, uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, we met in, um, in Las Vegas at the convention. Uh, you were doing a uh, presentation for, what was, what was the name of that program again? Do you remember? It was the Practice Innovation Lab. Practice uh, Innovation the, Lab, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think it was it was 2.0. It was the second uh, iteration of of the lab that that they were doing, kind of looking at the future of the architectural practice and and what some of the things are that the people are doing today to kind of uh, push the the evolution uh, and and the innovation within the within the discipline. 
Yeah, it was a very interesting presentation. It was multiple sessions, and and I and I sat through all of them, and and, and I love that subject. So I could, I could, I wish the entire conference was was that. And so, uh, and and your presentation was very interesting, and what you're doing was very interesting. And so I wanted to invite you on the show to share what you're doing with the audience. Um, and so I want to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. Great. And so let me let me give you a little brief intro. Nels Long is a designer, strategist, and an educator with a passion for projects that seek to improve the world through a relationship between technology and the built environment. Uh, as a senior designer at Roto Architects, Nels has worked on projects at numerous scales, from single-family homes and commercial spaces to large civic product projects and master plans. In many cases, he has served as project manager from very early on in the project, providing entitlements, team selection, project scheduling, task coordination, and delivery. And in each project, he seeks to expand the definition of practice through integration of technology and operational strategies. And he's, so, he's doing a lot of interesting things over at Roto. And so I wanted him to come here and talk to us about some of those interesting things. Um, but before we dive into Rotolab and what's Rotolab doing, um, I want to know more about you, Nels. I want you to go back to your um, origin. Where did you discover architecture? What inspired you to become an architect? Share that story to where you are today. All right. Well, um, yeah, thank you for that, for that intro. Um, my origin story is a little different than most of the architects that I've spoken to. Um, I didn't grow up you know, sketching, you know, plans and playing with Legos and, you know, any one of a number of the, the stories that you often hear. Uh, my path to architecture was through music. Uh, I always thought I would be a rock star one day. Uh, and I uh, play guitar and, and a number of other instruments. And, and I spent a lot of time around you know, other people, other musicians. And I ended up working for a recording studio when I was in high school um, and part of working at the recording studio was uh, we, we built out a new control room um, and ended up having to do calculations on the, on the acoustics. And, and I kind of started thinking that, you know, maybe one application of my interest in music would be designing spaces in which music could be uh, recorded or, or performed. And, and that, that's kind of what got me into architecture school was, was through the, the acoustic side. Once I got into architecture school that, um, you know, I was just, uh, you know, immediately immersed in, a, in an entire world that I really knew nothing about. And, and there's, you know, as we all know, uh, many, uh, many paths within architecture that you can go down, whether that's, you know, sustainability or algorithmic computational design and so forth. Um, all of which I kind of dabbled in, uh, along the way to where I am now, which is starting to kind of look at, um, some of the, uh, we, we call it excursions into alternative practice, you know, starting to look at some of the, 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 um, the ways of expanding the definition of scope for architects and starting to um, really do a deep dive into uh, programming on the front end um, and also looking at how uh, as architects, we can stay involved in a project longer and actually start to um, have some some opportunity to consult and be involved in the business planning and the operational strategy of the spaces that that we um, that we develop. Well, that's why I wanted you here <laughs> because that that I find that super interesting. Um, I I love talking about um, going beyond traditional practice. You know, it, sitting behind a computer. Uh, having a client hire you to design a building, you design the building, you provide the drawings for it, you oversee the construction and the building gets built, and then you're on to the next project, right? That's mm -hmm. traditional, the traditional model. Um, I think there is a vast uh, opportunity for architects beyond that. And, mm -hmm. and using the skills and the knowledge and the, uh, um, the talents we have as architects and as designers, the way we've been educated and the way we think differently than most people in the world, um, there are so many things we can do uh, with our skills. And so um, I love that that's how you're approaching architecture. Mm -hmm. um, and so how are you doing that? What are you, what are you doing that's different than a traditional practice? 
So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways, but for simplicity's sake and, and for the sake of this conversation, I'd like to kind of discuss three ways in particular that, that we're doing that. So I'll name those three ways and then we can kind of go into each and talk about it uh, and, and kind of range back and forth. Um, the first one is, uh, so uh, Michael and I founded Roto Lab as a, as a sort of research and development engine um, with, within Roto Architects, but, but you know, as a separate entity uh, about five years ago. Uh, and, and Roto Lab is really designed uh, as, a, as an incubator. So a lot of times we'll get uh, involved with a particular client or a particular organization on the architectural side, and we quickly realize that there are options that that client doesn't, uh, is, is, is not aware of that has uh, more long-term effects. Sometimes we will include those options into the design you know, package for them, but if they're not interested, sometimes we, we take those lessons and we actually um, will build out a company and we'll put together a team and we'll, we'll, we'll incubate that concept uh, as a startup. And so we're, we're borrowing a lot of our um, a lot of our processes from the startup world, um, which is one way that we're able to have, you know, total control of a project, you know, even, even beyond what a development company would, because it's actually, um, you know, it's a corporation that we've founded, that we've put, you know, team members in place within, uh, we have a full business plan that covers everything from, you know, revenue and operations and marketing to, you know, concept design and, and the spaces and the programming for and so one of those um, companies that we've launched is is Affinity Space, which I'll go into a little bit more later. Um, the, the second approach that we are um, actively pursuing is um, uh, consulting, uh, but consulting to uh, municipalities, cities, uh, small towns, and, and putting together uh, research documents um, for them based on, uh, or sorry, uh, analysis and reports for them based on our research of their, um, the, the, the potentials that exist within their city or within their region um, that might respond to the education system, it might respond to the mobility networks, it might respond to the, the opportunity for uh, an infusion of cultural infrastructure. And, and we'll actually um, speak to um, you know, potential investors, potential partners and put together a full package. So it's not just, you know, here's a report, uh, you know, do what you will with it. Good luck raising money. Like, you know, here's, you know, here's our, here's our concept of what you can do to attract new business or new, um, you know, uh, new residents or, or whatever the, the challenge is that that particular city has. And here are the people, um, to kind of make that happen. Um, and then, and then finally, um, through our architecture work at Roto, at Roto Architects, um, we often will, um, in the contract negotiation phase, um, try to establish a relationship with the client where we are involved beyond traditional scope, um, either staying on as a consultant through the operations phase or um, you know, building out the contract so that a certain amount of our fee is, um, is, is either, uh, an ownership stake or, or a stock option within the company so that we, um, begin to have a, a more long-term relationship with our clients. So how did these, the, the, all three of these are pretty unique. Even the consulting, the way you're approaching consulting is unique, um, where did these three ideas come from and how did you, where did you pursue them from? I mean, where did the ideas come from? Um, so, so Michael and I, uh, both teach at, at SciArc, uh, here in LA and a lot of the ideas are generated through, um, the, the courses that we've developed to be taught at SciArc. And so SciArc becomes a bit of a, a staging ground for the work that we take into practice. Um, the, the, uh, the rest of them tend to be born out of necessity. So, um, 
we often have clients who are very early in the in the project uh, phase. Um, maybe they don't have any funding yet. Maybe they're they're trying to put together some some concept graphics in order to secure some funding. Maybe they just want to talk to somebody about what their options are. You know, Michael has a long history of working with with nonprofit organizations and 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 cultural organizations and things like that. Um, and so over the over the years, we've just kind of started working this way out of necessity in order to um, you know, bring in projects and and build our network and build our community and and as we uh, do each in turn, we've kind of subtly begin to look at how we expand our scope into these different areas just based on our our personal interests. So it's looking for those opportunities while you're working with clients and, and then pursuing them. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think a lot of architects, while they're working with clients, see those opportunities and this just assume that that's not part of their scope there and they just let them float past. And I think that's one of the things that as architects, we are going to need to be better at as we move forward, um, which is continuing to evolve your practice, continuing to, um, to, to grab on to those concepts as they float past, because, you know, we're, we're starting to see, a, a, a world that is dominated by, uh, by three dimensional space, specifically in the virtual realm that is not designed by architects. Um, we're, we're, you know, the majority of the, of the three dimensional environments that we're in are designed by game designers or, or production designers or, or, you know, art directors of, of some sort, many of which did go to architecture school. But I, th I feel like the architectural community has a lot to offer media um, and, and specifically uh, the, the, the three types that I just named. Um, and, and, you know, as we um, as that becomes more and more the case, you know, for example, I'm, I'm working in 3GS at the moment, which uh, is a tool that can be used to, to create 3D spaces within web browsers. And I, I anticipate it's just a number of years before the majority of, of the Internet is spatial. And as that trend, you know, continues, um, the, the role of architects to, to affect change on our virtual environment um, changes, you know, and, and becomes more important along with it. So, I, you know, as, as the AEC market evolves, um, the, the role for architects is going to change. And I think we need to be very, uh, active at looking outwards into the world and, and, and see where else our specific skill sets are, are applied. Yeah, I agree. Uh, did, did the architecture firm, did that come first, and then the consulting and the and the lab come later, or did or was it in a different order? So Michael founded Roto Architects in 1991 um, as a, as a, as his uh, as his practice specifically focused on um, providing architectural services to nonprofit organizations, and um, he's done a lot of work with um, Tibetan Buddhists, and and you know we're doing a, a project right now for. An organization called Wolf Connection up in Acton, California, which is a um, a youth empowerment program um, that does a lot of work with inner city kids by bringing them out to the ranch and uh, allowing them to learn from a 25-member uh, wolf pack on social orders and um, responsibilities and, and things like that. It's a really amazing organization that um, you should all check out if you're interested. It's called Wolf Connection. Um, and so, you know, a lot of um, the, the focus of the firm early on was you know, providing um, the types of consulting and, and architectural insight into those types of, of organizations um, while still doing you know, traditional projects, houses and schools and museums and libraries and things like that. Um, and but but. You know, again, through education, you know, Michael is uh, very um, vocal about the fact that he is equally an architect and an educator. Um, he began to explore some of these options and, and he was looking at um, video games and the power that video games have to teach uh, when I was in graduate school at SciArc. And that, um, you know, we, I took his studio where we were designing uh, game spaces. And that was kind of the beginning of our relationship. And, and, and through my experience with 
uh, both playing games and and making games, uh, we we began to venture out into this alternative practice um, and start to look at, you know look at other ways in which we could affect the um, the architectural discipline and practice. Did did the lab come before the consulting? I would say that the consulting kind of comes out of the lab. So yeah, yeah, it does. You know, it's not it's not a separate entity. Um, uh, we we do uh, a number of things out of Rotolab, and it's and it's basically a way for us to express all of our interests um, outside of the architectural practice. So the architectural practice can remain pure uh, in a certain sense um, and not get muddied up with all of the experimentation that that we're doing within the lab. Yeah, I you know I believe that architects, if they brought you know if the if the the architecture community, the network of the brain power within the community comes together, because of the way we think and because of the way we approach problems, could solve a lot of the major problems we have on this planet. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out how to network those minds. Um, and exactly. so, what you're doing with with Roto Lab um, and the consulting is sort of a, a, a microcosm of that bigger idea. Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. And, and we are even taking it one step further where, you know, Rotolab was really established to explore cross-sector work. Um, and so we have uh, what we call our satellite team, which are domain experts from, you know, many uh, many different sectors, um, from kind of what you would expect an architect to work with, um, you know, real estate, uh, um, brokers and developers and, and things like that. But, but we, uh, have, uh, a number of writers and documentarians and composers, product designers, you know, um, we have, uh, a neuroscientist that we work very closely with. We have a, um, a specialist in intellectual property and patenting that we work very closely with. Uh, and we do a lot of work with um, uh, Alex McDowell and his and his world building team at Experimental Design. Um, and so we're, you know, as well as a network of architects that we're closely connected to. And I think that's one thing that set, separates Roto Architects from at least any of the other places that I've worked, which is that we're we're very open to to share commissions and share projects with other architects if it means that it, that we get to kind of learn from the process, um, and so being collaborative within the discipline as as well as you know within the consultants that we bring on, um, and and really starting to kind of build that hive mind um, to to begin to affect change in some of these key uh, impact areas. You know, in, in California right now, we're seeing such a huge rise in in homelessness. Um, and it, you know, to me, I have kind of a special perspective on it. Well, it's just not, it's, it's not special or, or unique really, but you know, I, I have my perspective on it, uh, as a, as a 30 year old that is going through, uh, the process of trying to buy a home in California, uh, and, and just the, the complexities in the path to home ownership and kind of the, the way that, you know, my generation is, is really kind of stuck in the renter mode. Uh, at least in at least in California, and and so starting to think about how as architects can we begin to simplify the path to home ownership, and you know whether that's through the creation of new modular products or something like that, or or a portal with information to you know different options, or you know I, I think there are a lot of um, a lot of key challenges, key impact areas that that you know, the, the network of architects and, you know, beyond architects into, you know, video games and robotics and neuroscience and kind of some of the other core domains that we collaborate with can come together and solve some of these large problems. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, that's something that on, um, on a personal level, uh, I see Entree Architect and the community that's growing around Entree Architect, which is all small firm architects. So they're all uh, sole practitioners and, and owners of small firms, um, I see the the opportunity and the potential of what that community uh, can bring to the world as we coalesce and, and start to uh, be intentional about uh, approaching some of these these issues uh, through the community. Exactly. Yeah, um, I, I really I, I respect that um, that intention, and, and I'm happy to see that uh, is getting the the audience that that you have. 
We will come right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, and FreshBooks. If you work with specifications in your firm, you probably have come across outdated manufacturer specs with confusing notes, products that no longer exist, or maybe even companies that no longer exist. Maybe you even pay for specifications. Do you do that? Stop. There's a better way to find manufacturer specifications for your project documentation. It's RCAT, RCAT.com. RCAT is the number one most used website for finding building product information and has a free library with over 1,400 up-to-date accurate specifications. 1,400 up-to-date accurate specifications. RCAT's specs are written by FCSI, CCS, and AIA professionals based on manufacturer's data. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find the right specifications for your project and quickly download them into multiple formats for free. Google can't do that. You don't even have to register. Go now to rcat.com. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com, and start building better content today. Do you remember when you started your small firm? It was not easy. It took lots of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you have been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier for yourself? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like us. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than that dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds, and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments file expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card, free for 30 days. Visit entrearchitect.com FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks. RCAT and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So Rotolab, you were talking about how Rotolab, you uh, do research and you do uh, development, but it's structured as an incubator. And so some of these ideas turn into companies, mm-hmm. um, which I love that idea that it's a business model approach that, you know, not just not research and development, but you're actually taking it to the next level and creating companies that can have an impact in the world. Um, one of these is affinity space, which is you, you mentioned that early on. Can you explain what affinity space is and sort of use it as an example of what the, the Roto Lab is doing? Sure. Uh, and that's that's a perfect uh, example to kind of talk about our, our primary focus, which is programming. And, and so often programming is kind of thought as something that's done before an architect gets involved. You know, it's the project brief that you're handed and you kind of have to respond to it. And, and, and we've really incorporated it into our concept design phase. Um, and and that that really comes uh, you know, affinity space really comes out of that interest in, in new types of programming and, and, and specifically looking at the creation of multimodal um, spaces that are specifically in, uh, designed to uh, support informal learning. So affinity space is a term that was developed by uh, Dr. James G., uh, at um, at Arizona State University, who's who we do a lot of work uh, and, and collaboration with, um, as uh, spaces where people come together uh, around a shared affinity for for a specific uh, experience or specific pastime. So specifically, video games is is, is his focus. And, and if you look at the affinity space that exists for the world of Warcraft, for example, it's one of the largest online repositories of information that exists 
um, the the Wikipedia on Astaroth, which is the the, the main uh, world, um, is as large as like all the other Wikipedia articles combined. And it's really about creating these, you know, these, so, these social groups. And so that, you know, as architects, you know, that begged the question, what's the physical equivalent of that? And, and, and what is the, you know, what, is, what should the focus be? So Affinity Space is a company that we built. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a location-based entertainment concept, similar to an escape room. Um, uh, or sorry, escape rooms are an example of, of location-based entertainment. Um, but at Affinity Space, we're really looking at creating uh, hybrid multimodal experiences um, that support informal learning through the combination of um, brain training and, and neuroscience influence and neuroscience-based activities that have been shown to increase uh, uh, memory capacity, uh, reasoning skills, so forth. Um, with games-based learning uh, and that that leads people to impactful professions and steam concentrations through games that already exist um, that are that allow you to basically learn how to develop your own game or learn how to do 3d modeling or learn how to do some of these other um, key skill areas and actually get industry certification um, from from the uh, from various organizations um, with, you know, uh, with health and wellness and, and maker spaces and kind of bringing each of these different programs together, uh, in a way that may seem kind of, um, uh, complicated and kind of like there's too much, you know, stuff in the, in, in, you know, too many ingredients in the pot. Um, but what we are really seeking to achieve is a, uh, a very specific diversity of programs within a space such that people uh, or our membership bounces between them constantly being stimulated by a different experience and constantly learning as they're within the space. So uh, last year we founded a, a corporation um, to, to actually take this uh, concept out into the world. Uh, we've brought on uh, an operations team and a marketing team, and, and we're in the process of securing um, our first location. Uh, and we have uh, a whole, you know, whole business plan put out, and, and we're, you know, we're working with um, a group out of uh, UCLA to develop our own pedagogical framework for how these um, experiences are curated and how they're scaffolded and built out into um, experience uh, models or phenomenons that can be used to um, build coursework around and so on and so forth. So you know it's a it's a whole um, it's a whole company. It's a whole it's a whole product line. It's a whole uh, development strategy um, that we are in the process of of, of uh, developing. Is how is it funded? Is it internally funded or do you have outside investors? Both. Um, the, the majority of the work is, uh, is, is bootstrapped out of Rotolab. Um, and we are uh, working on a site by site basis with, with private investors to secure locations and actually do the build out. So the, the team that you've put together, are they being compensated through investment or are they taking equity? Or how, does that, how do you get that team in place? I've been. We've been very um, lucky to to find people who are interested in collaborating um, for the, for collaboration's sake. Mm -hmm. um, and you know everyone understands that the work that they're doing now um, leads them, you know, gives them the opportunity to to have a place uh, long term. And we do have uh, sweat equity uh, agreements with the majority of our the majority of our collaborators. Um, but it. It's such an interesting topic, and it's you know I, I keep saying that this is this is something that is going to happen with or without us, and so I'd rather it happen with us. And I feel like a lot of people have that mindset where they just want to be involved um, as we go into this this next stage of of experience design and and you know informal learning and education design and kind of all of that. That they're they're willing to kind of figure it out later. And and you know we we're very open with with everybody about you know the fact that. You know, this is something we're bootstrapping and we're figuring it out as, as we go and we're shouldering a lot of the risk and a lot of people are willing to take on some of that risk to, to be part of it. And we're very thankful for that. Yeah. So it's an exciting idea. It's an innovative idea. Um, and so people who have that same passion that you have for creating such an idea uh, as, are willing to put in some time and some effort and some of their own equity 
uh, to make it happen. And then once it happens, then everybody benefits from it in some, some other way. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the, the, the target market for a space like that, is that, is that, uh, are those, are they kids or are they young adults or are they everybody? Um, well, you know, we, we'd like to thank everybody. Uh, unfortunately, if you say that in a, in a, in a, in a pitch or a fundraising meeting, you're immediately shown the door. Um, we are targeting, um, the kind of 12 to 30 year old, mm-hmm. uh, age frames specifically, although we see a, a huge opportunity for this to, um, scale out, uh, specifically in the, um, specifically into the young professional space, um, and the academic space. So, um, the affinity space as an after school program for college students that want to have a social space to engage in, uh, in, in experience with, with, you know, these types of technologies that we're discussing, uh, a laboratory space for, uh, professors or other types of, of researchers who uh, need a space uh, outside of the, their academic institution or outside of their home to kind of explore some of these options. Um, almost looking at it as a type of co-working space or a type of shared uh, communal workspace where people can come together uh, and develop um, their own concepts and their own ideas uh, in, in collaboration with, with, commun- you know, with the community. And, and one of the things that, that we've been uh, doing to kind of explore that is uh, we, we have a staff writer um, that, that specializes in science fiction, and we've been kind of exploring the concept through a fictional tale of, of two people that, use a, that, are, that are members of an affinity space in the, in the future um, that are kind of looking back in time to its origin and trying to explore the beginnings of the affinity space. Um, and using that, that narrative device, we've really begun to kind of explore the different types of, uh, of, of membership and, 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 and options that exist within that. It, it's, it's so exciting to, to talk to you about this. Uh, the, the, the creativity that goes into something like this and, and the, uh, the possibilities and the, um, the opportunities that you're exploring, uh, I hope inspires those who are listening, because I think mm-hmm. that there are a lot of architects out there that feel the way you're feeling, get excited about an idea, passionate about a, uh, an opportunity that could change the world, the way people think and the way they work and the way they play. Um, but they don't think that they can take it to the next step. Right. They just have this idea and it just sits in their brain gnawing away. Right. And they they never pursue it. Um, and I'm hoping that this conversation might uh, in, uh, inspire and motivate some of the listeners to take that next step. Do you have any um, uh, recommendation or some advice for those of us who have those ideas? Maybe we don't know how it gets funded. Maybe we don't know what the next step is. But what is what what is the next step we should take after we have that that idea that's that could never work idea? Uh, what do we do? How do we take it to the to the the first step? Well, that's um, you know it's a very complex question, and it's a, and it's a it has a, a necessarily complex uh, answer. Uh, I. I I believe that we are in uh, an age of platforms, you know, and, and many people think of platforms as digital platforms. Um, but I think if, if we start looking at our world as a stack, um, to quote Benjamin Bratton, um, and start thinking about the impact that our uh, our decisions make on the system, um, and how we can leverage that platform um, to to move to move beyond uh, our our current situation. Um, that we can begin to expand the definition of our our role in society uh, in a way that is in keeping with um, with our 
with our tradition. And so, you know, more simply put, um, building community around um, those ideas. And, and if, you, uh, if, if you have a concept or you have an idea that, that isn't uh, applicable to your, your day job, maybe try and find somebody who shares that affinity with you. Um, and, you know, start a, start a Slack channel or start, a, you know, start a meetup or, or find ways to build that, um, that discussion into your routine. Um, I was extremely fortunate to, you know, come to grad school with some ideas and immediately find a professor who not only shared those ideas, but, but also um, a, an infrastructure to, to, to develop it out. And, and that was in large part luck on my part. But um, there are opportunities that can be sought out uh, if, for, for those that are interested in, in community building and in, um, in discussion where, you know, information is, is so readily accessible today uh, that finding people that share an affinity uh, with you is, is relatively simple. And so I would encourage you to, to build that into your routine. Great, great advice. When you talk about platforms and community, those really go hand in hand, right? I mean, you can have a platform, but if there's no community to to uh, experience it or to engage within that platform um, or among that platform, then the platform is worthless. But to, uh, at the other side, if you have a community but no platform, it's just a bunch of people talking. And so the two things together are, are so important. Um, and the first step in doing that is to find the first person who's interested in what you're interested in, right? Because the community starts with two people and then those two people turn into four people and those four people turn into eight people and then it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And then the platform is there to support all of these people who come together around this one specific affinity uh, or idea or platform. Um, and then you have you know, momentum, right? You have this community and this platform that supports the, the communal idea um, and the momentum takes you to where you wanna go. Yeah, I think that that's um, stated very well. Thank you. It, it's uh, the reason I I I can state it that way is because Entree Architect. I look at Entree Architect as that platform. That that the the platform is the, is Entree Architect, and the community are small firm architects who are all looking for answers in solutions to business and and leadership in life, um, and so. Before there was Entree Architect, there was no platform. There was a community, right? There were, there were thousands of architects, but there was no place for them to gather as a community of entrepreneur architects. Um, and so just by creating the platform, just by creating the, the, the original blog, the original blog attracted people around that idea of becoming an entrepreneur architect or, or an architect interested in successfully building a business. Um, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, and I see when I talk about bringing that network of, of ideas and brains together, I see that, that, that community uh, of, of, of architects being able to solve some of the world's problems as this community grows and as this platform can, gets built out. Um, we can have significant major global impact on the world uh, as architects by just creating a platform and a network of people. You know, I, I, I completely agree. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's always so refreshing to hear other people that, you know, hear from other people that think the same way. And, you know, as soon as architects realize that they can run for president, I think we're going to start seeing some, some real uh, substantial change in, in the way that the, the way that the, the world is invented. And, you know, that there are a lot of people that call themselves world builders. Um, but you know, architects have been doing it for a long time and, you know, we are, we all share the affinity for building our world and imagining new options and new, uh, new concepts for the, for the way that that, that world is presented. And, and it's, um, it's, it's really exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the work that you do at Entree Architect. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that vision uh, is something I get to see in my lifetime. Oh, you will. You will, no doubt. And I appreciate you sharing um, some background on Rotolab and Roto Architects um, because I think it's, it's inspirational and motivational for those who have those ideas and are afraid to take the next step. You can see 
that in, in two examples that that just by taking the next step is is the first step. Um, so now before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you the one question that I ask everybody. Um, what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? You know, I, I believe that our power is in collaboration. Um, so maybe next time you get a commission or you get a project, um, sharing that commission or that project with another firm or with a, with a group that's, a, that's outside of your, your specialty or bring in a, a consultant that is outside of your, your typical um, your, your typical consulting base, bring, you know, talk to, a, talk to a scientist or talk to an educator or talk to someone from one of the media or entertainment fields and, and begin to see how you can bring multiple perspectives in um, and, and, and really focus on increasing the amount of collaboration that you uh, offer through your, through your practice. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that, I love that idea. Um, the, if you want to check out what Nels and the team are doing over at Roto Architecture, it's RotoArc with a K, R-O-T-O-A-R-K.com. Um, if you want to see what Roto Lab is doing, it's rotolab.la, rotolab.la. They're active on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. We'll have links to everything on the show notes. Nels, I really appreciate you spending some time. I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking a few minutes out to share what you guys are doing over at Roto Architecture and Roto Lab. Uh, and for sharing your knowledge and inspiring and motivating some of the architects here at Entree Architect. It's been my pleasure, Mark. Thanks so much. So there you go. That was episode 290, counting down to episode 300. 300's coming, right? I cannot believe that we're coming up on 300 episodes of Entree Architect podcast. And every week, this audience is growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. I cannot do this by myself. This has not, this growth has not happened because of me. This is an amazing community and we're growing this community together. The, the Entree Architect community, this community of knowledge and support and encouragement and inspiration and motivation. It's your community. And, and truthfully and sincerely, I'm honored to be a member. So thank you for sharing this and every episode with your friends. The link for today's episode with Nels Long of Rotolab is entrearchitect.com slash episode 290. That's entrearchitect.com slash episode 290. Please share it with someone who you know who may find some value or inspiration from what Nels and his teams at Rotolab and Affinity Lab or Affinity Space with what, what those guys are doing. I, I think it's so interesting and, and uh, motivational. So entrearchitect.com slash episode 290. Please share it. And if you're looking for a simple, efficient way to learn what you need to know to grow, then join the hundreds of other entrepreneur architects who have already registered at Entree Architect membership. It's built for you. 60 minutes every month. Live training and Q&A then you can get back to work. Join us today at entrearchitect.com slash join. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, 
stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> I did it guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.